Amy Talks listeners and welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about the prevalence of drugs at music festivals with Chris from drug safety charity The Loop. We discuss their campaigns including one with Vice, some of the awful things they found in people's drug samples and more. So for the good news story this week, it's a great one again uh, from the news, uh, Good News Network that always uh, has inspiring stories for us. And the headline is, when radio station hears about mum struggling to care for a sick son, they, gave, they give her a surprise she will never forget. Uh, basically her two-year-old son, Rylan, um, has been, di- been on dialysis um, and he's had kidney disease uh, since he was a month old. It says he undergoes this process for 10 hours every night and Rebecca is with him for every moment of it. Uh, However, Rebecca's car was totaled by a hit-and-run driver, um, very very sadly. Uh, Her and her son were okay, um, thank God. It says with only liability insurance and no job, Rebecca had no way to scrape money together for her new wheels. And then the local radio station uh, aware of what had happened to them, um, so they treated them to... All that uh, Rebecca and Ryden were treated to dinner at a restaurant in Texas. And then they finished their meal, um, and they were they were brought out to the the car park, uh, and they were greeted by um, the hashtag Speak Love team, which I guess the radio station uses that hashtag. Uh, it says a group of staffers from the station who are dedicated to doing good deeds for people in their community. Um, a check for thousand dollars dollars was presented to them. But they also, um, it was a local Infinity dealership. Infinity is a, a car car dealer, if you didn't know. He suddenly revealed himself and he handed over a new a new car, which is amazing. Um, definitely shows the community spirit. There's there's a very cute uh, video that they say um, they posted on Facebook and it also resulted in a flood of support as all these things do for the family. Um, as always, I will definitely uh, put it in the link. I put the link in the description of this episode so you uh, you can go and see what it's all about. So uh, I'm here with Chris. Hi. Hello. So you're a harm reduction worker at the Loop. What does that? Yeah, entail? that's right. What does that entail exactly, and what is the aim of the organisation? Uh, so the Loop are a voluntary-led organisation, and our aim is to provide uh, credible and realistic information to people who choose to use drugs at clubs and at festivals. Uh, the thing we're most uh, well known for is that over the last few years, we've been the first people in the UK uh, to introduce what's called front of house drug testing. Um, to festivals in this country whereby people can bring us a sample of the drugs they are considering taking and our chemists can test the drugs and then they will sit down with one of their one of our healthcare professionals uh, for a 15-minute um, harm reduction brief intervention where we discuss their drug use generally, um, discuss the results of the test and discuss the risks associated with the drugs they plan on taking as well as some of the ways that they can reduce them risks. Uh, so my role uh, within the loop is as a harm reduction worker, so I sort, sort of... Um, Look after the volunteers that do the, the front of house part of things. Um, so the people that are actually engaging with the public, uh, I look after them guys, recruit them, train them, and get involved in delivering the interventions themselves as well. Oh, okay. 
So as you said, part of the Loop's work is to test drugs at festivals. So what is the process of that and what are the, some of the things that you found in the tests? Okay, so the process is that you come to our tent um, yeah. and if you are going to be using uh, ecstasy tablets, we like you to give us a full tablet. Mm -hmm. uh, which we don't, you don't get back because it gets destroyed in the testing process. Mm -hmm. And it would also be illegal for us to give any, anybody any drugs back because yeah, yeah, then we'll be supplying them with drugs. Um, so you drop your drugs off um, and then you come back about 45 minutes later uh, when the results are in. Uh, they get tested using a range of scientific methods uh, by our, our lab out at the back. Um, and they'll come back to about 45 minutes, they'll come back and they'll pick up their results um, from one of our healthcare professionals who are there volunteering with us. Um, so again, we'll talk about what people's drug use is like generally, what sort of stuff they use away from the event, uh, what risks they might be taking with that, and give them a bit of advice about that. And then we'll discuss the results of the substance that they've submitted for analysis. And again, we'll talk about the risks involved in that, uh, make sure people understand fully what risks they're taking with themselves, and talk about some of the ways that people can possibly reduce the risks associated with that. Um, so some of the things we've found over the last couple of years is uh, that a couple of worrying things. One is uh, ecstasy tablets and MDMA. Uh, seems to be stronger than they've ever been, mm -hmm. um, which brings its own risks. Uh, and we've also found some some quite unpleasant contaminants uh, within uh, people's drugs. So um, the one we've been most concerned about over the last 12 months is a drug called enethylpentalone, which is a stimulant of the cathinone class, uh, which is a quite an extended period of action and people are awake for a, a good couple of days. And, and because you're awake for so long, it's much um, more, it's kind of linked closely with paranoia and we've had reports of people experiencing psychotic episodes and being quite unwell for a couple of days after taking the drug. Uh, so that's been a concern, as well as finding things like um, tablets made out of denture cleaning powder. Uh, we've had malarial tablets sold as ketamine. Uh, and quite quite a lot of mis-selling as well. So people yeah. have been selling methoxetamine as ketamine. And it's a very different drug as well, a much longer period of action. And it's much more psychedelic. So if somebody's expecting to be taking ketamine and taking methoxetamine itself, they're going to, instead they're going to be having a, a very different experience. Mm. You've done many campaigns, including one with Vice. So what, uh -huh. what impact has it had on the audience it's reached? And what have the government said about it, if anything? Uh, well, Vice are a well-known organisation and they're very popular among some people. So, so working with Vice, and they've been putting videos out with some of our advice on our, our, one of our lead chemist guys done some work with them about, um, you know, taking drugs more safely. Mm -hmm. um, so Vice have been really good because they're a well-known organisation. When you link up some like it does raise your profile. Uh, in terms of the government, they've, they've been pretty quiet. Um, they've not really? stopped us doing anything. Um, and I think it was the health minister who stood up in Parliament uh, just a couple of months ago uh, when asked about this in Parliament, and, the, and his answer was basically that they're, they're not going to stand in the way of it. So they're not officially supporting it, but nor are they actively trying to stop us. Um, mm. So I think they're sort of keeping a watching brief to see what happens with it. Social media has fueled drug sales in this country. Like You can get drugs quicker than you can get a pizza delivered these days. So does that make it harder to police as it's being made in, in like people's kitchens and also the, the county lines crisis as well? Uh, well, well county lines is nothing new, and it just seems to be the um, the media's new little baby that they keep yeah. um, talking about. Well, that that sort of thing's been going on going on for years, and then there may be an argument that that the internet and the dark web does make it easier to get all the drugs. But you don't need the internet; you could walk into any major city centre, and, and if you wanted drugs, you would find drugs. Um, so how much the internet has an effect on it is arguable but you know the main thing is if you're buying drugs or strangers whether that's on the internet or on the street you are taking a risk there's no quality control there and that's mm. where the testing comes in yeah on those kind of lines uh, canada has re recently legalized cannabis for recreational use do you think it would be something welcomed here 
Uh, I think if you look at uh, the sort of the, the way the opinion has changed in this country, I think there's massive support now for for uh, legal medical cannabis, yeah, and I know the government made, did make a good, a big play on that recently on the back of a couple of, of quite um, upsetting cases of young children suffering uh, and finding that that works. But so they've made this big play about the, the, the making legal cannabis legal. Sort of making medical cannabis legal, but then if you look at the restrictions they're putting on it, it's still going to be out of the reach of many, many people who would either know they would benefit it because they've been getting it from the illicit market or feel that they might benefit from taking this sort of drug. So, what was the other part of that question? Just then, sorry, Amy. Um, do you think it would be something welcomed here for recreational use? I think, um, like I said, I think the public are definitely our medical cannabis, and I think the public are moving towards supporting the legalisation of recreational cannabis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you look at some of the experiences of places like California, in terms of the amount of tax they managed to take, you know they're now building schools based on the, on the profits from people um, selling cannabis legally. Oh, wow. um, and it's and it's not just America. You know, Uruguay have legalised it. Canada's done it now. Um, Portugal decriminalised all drug possession several years ago. Um, so it is. It, it seems to be an idea that is is, is sort of. Um, gathering pace um, and I, I don't think we can continue to just blindly say no we're not going to do it without looking mm. at the evidence I think at some point uh, the politicians are going to have to um, have a bit of bravery really um, because yeah. we know these politicians that believe uh, in, in sort of relaxing the drug laws um, there is an all party a cross party uh, committee who are, who are interested in, in relaxing drug laws and looking at that uh, and I think I think the the real sort of test of it is how many, how many politicians come off the front benches and then start talking about legalising drugs. Um, so mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of unbelief in it, but are scared to say it. And it's because um, there's the arguments we made that there's not a great deal of political ca- capital in a politician standing up and saying that. Mm-hmm. And it might sound a bit um, cynical, but I think certainly if some members of parliament were more concerned about their constituents than they were about their own careers, we might see things move over a bit more quickly. Crush Dab Weight is an interesting campaign as it encourages people to better regulate their use of MDMA, but some may say it encourages the use of such drugs. What would you say about that? No, it doesn't encourage anything. It encourages people to consider the behaviour and that's why we set that campaign up. Um, mm. The fact is people are taking MDMA. We've observed people with a gram of MDMA taking a quarter of that out of the bag and just swallowing it. I mean, no idea of what the dosage is, no idea what the purity is. Um, so the idea of Crush Dab Weight was, was to sort of get people thinking about how much it's taking and to make it easy for them to take um, take the drug in less dangerous amounts. We're not, we're not for a minute saying pay, taking it in safer amounts. What we're saying is doing it in this way, you've got a better way of regulating how much you're taking um, and getting away from that, taking a third of a gram, which is really quite dangerous because MDMA in high enough doses can be fatal. And, and we've seen cases of people dying from taking too much MDMA. Mm. So as well as your work with The Loop, you're an NHS professional trainer in substance misuse. What would, uh-huh. you, what would you say is the biggest assumption people have about drug use or drug users? Uh, that they're bad, that they're stupid, um, that they're deviant, and it's the same things I've been saying about people who take drugs since year dot, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. Stigma is a big thing when yeah, it comes to drugs. Certainly when you're talking about people who've got problems with drugs or alcohol. Uh, I think one of the big dangers at the moment, if you look at places like Manchester, that have got a huge increase in homeless community, and then spice has been thrown into that mix. I think one of the big dangers is if we start to view, view people who are homeless as, as spice users rather than as vulnerable people in need of help, then we start to lose sympathy for them. And then once, once the general public starts to lose sympathy um, yeah. 
homeless people, we can start to blame them for their own problems, we can start to stigmatise people, and you can see it happening. There's already Facebook groups set up where people are laughing at videos of people intoxicated on spice. You know, these are some of the most vulnerable people in our, in our communities, and, and it shouldn't be like that. We should be there helping these people, getting people's house. There would not be a spice problem in the, in the centre of a lot of these major cities if it wasn't for the homeless problem as well. It's an absolute perfect storm of a cheap, powerful drug um, in the hands of unscrupulous dealers in a really, really vulnerable community. Um, and we need to get these people off the streets, we need to get them housed, and we need to give them the support that they need. Okay, well, that's all the questions I have for you today. Thank you very much for answering them. Okay, no problem. Bye. Bye. So that's it for another episode. Thank you very much for listening. I would like to say a big thank you to Chris at The Loop for partaking in my interview. You can go and find out more about the work that The Loop do by following them on Instagram at the loop underscore UK or find them on Twitter at WeAreTheLoopUK. Also be sure to follow me on social media at AmyTalksPodcast on Twitter and Facebook. And good news, the show is now finally on Spotify, so if you search up Amy Talks on Spotify, you will find all the episodes there for you to listen to. Don't forget, the episodes are on iTunes and Mixcloud too. Until next time, bye!